You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Just a moment as the lights are being turned back up. If you turn to Ephesians chapter number one today, I want to just share a verse with you that's kind of shaped our theme and our thrust for today uh, as uh, we're celebrating our anniversary today. Grateful for guests that are here um, and uh, those that maybe found us just this morning, those tuning in online as well. We're grateful for what God is doing in our ministry here for his glory and honor. Ephesians chapter number one, I want to read just a couple of verses to you beginning in verse one. And I've heard this many times, but you cannot divorce the New Testament from the local church. Um, Almost every one of the books is a letter written to what audience? A local assembly. And so we see here in Ephesians chapter 1 these words, and our theme verse comes from Ephesians chapter 4 as a church. But look, if you will, in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. So this is written to the believers, the church in Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 3. So here's the 1-3, if you will, on our 13th anniversary. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's about Him and Him being blessed, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places uh, in Christ Jesus. Um, I just for a moment want to just share a few comments in general, and then the Clark family will come and minister in song. This is our 13th anniversary, and uh, for some of you, you are newer to our church. In fact, many of you are newer. You've joined us just in the last few years. Trust me, you give it a few years, you'll realize, well, others have left. They get sick of me, tired of me after a while. I'm just kidding. But uh, it, it's interesting as we kind of just rehearse God's blessings in our church that Um, the average church plant doesn't survive two years. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. So we are the exception, which is an absolute miracle, starting with the guy at the helm. People ask me all the time, how's North Life doing? Well, despite the leadership, it's actually surviving. That's what I often will say to people, and I'm not kidding uh, in many ways when I say that. But we are the exception, and there are many men and churches that started when we started that have long since faded or faltered, and that's in no way us getting credit today. That is God's mercy and grace, and uh, so we give him glory for that today. Um, And so some would view 13 as an unlucky number, and I've tried to, I I didn't think putting 13 in a big number on our stage probably was the wisest thing, but we've chosen to view it as a blessed anniversary, a moment to just consider not how lucky we are, but how blessed and fortunate we are to see God working in our families Uh, in on our respective ministries. And I want to just show you, I'm going to pull up on the slide here, if you will. This is kind of just a a quick trip down memory lane of kind of how God has brought us from the beginnings to now. So I'm just going to kind of look at it and walk through it. So in 2007, uh, Heidi and I would have just gotten back from uh, God giving us our oldest son, Ian, and uh, felt God's uh, leading and urging for us to move to Worcester and start North Life. We were in uh, Michigan at the time on staff at a church there, so that God began stirring in our hearts in 20, uh, 2007, 2008, we moved here in the fall and, uh, and uh, rented a little condo and had the basement was our church office as we began and stored all the stuff in the, the garage there. 
lots of good memories in those early stages. And then in, 20, in 2009, we started our Bible studies at Keene Elementary. That's the elementary school across from the high school. Uh, so we met there on Thursday nights for probably about uh, two months, January through March, just what's the church going to be. And, and uh, we just met in one of the front rooms there uh, at Keene Elementary. Uh, in March, we started. So the last uh, Sunday of March in 2009, we started North Life. And uh, we would have had uh, a Monday through Thursday uh, kind of get acquainted meetings and then our morning service on that last Sunday of March. Uh, in June, we would have moved. If you know, there's a little church building on the corner of Oak Hill and Milltown, just south of Lowe's. So we were in that building for a couple of years. The bad thing was we had printed all of our literature. So we printed John and Romans. We mailed them or hung them on every door other than the very rural areas of, of all of our county with our address at Keene Elementary. And then two months later, we moved. And so that was a, a major communication challenge for us. But we were able to use that space full time. So we moved there in 2009. Uh, and then in September is when we would have chartered. Uh, and I still have that charter with those who were the original members uh, who signed with us. Just a few of them are still here. They, they're gluttons for punishment. And I can see a few of you out there today. But uh, we're grateful for that. So that's why we celebrate. That would have been 13 years ago give or take a day or two from today. Uh, and then in March, we moved to Greenbrier, and uh, we were there for several years, for uh, about five years. Uh, that now is called Greystone up by Walmart there, and it had some great seasons there, and uh, God really grew our church there while we were meeting in that facility. Uh, in 2017, we would have changed our name from North Point to North Life as we were moving to this building. We kind of rebranded. We have some other churches with Point, uh, in their name, and we felt like at times that was confusion for us, uh, and so we shifted to North Life in January. In February, we purchased this building, um, and uh, that was uh, just over five years ago, uh, and uh, we moved in uh, shortly after that, beginning of March. In 2017, in June, we finished the classroom wing. 2019, the central lobby, we're kind of just working our way this way. Uh, and then I just wanted for a moment to testify of, our, of the early stages of COVID, uh, when many churches were divided or fractured or really just struggled, had the political cycle, if you remember back to that, the election, uh, and then COVID, and it was just neat to see God draw our church together as we went online for a few months, and then we had drive-in services in our, our South parking lot, and uh, some of you remember we had one service with a torrential downpour, and I'm in an, an open trailer, well, it was close, there was a roof over it, but the trailer was just noodling, and you're all sitting in your cars with your wipers on just waiting for me to bail or be blown away, and just some of those memories, but I'm grateful for how God sustained us uh, through that season. In May of that year, we would have renovated uh, the stage, and uh, now, as you have seen, we've been announcing we're launching into our Amen Project, which is the renovation of where we preach and counsel with God's Word. So preaching in this space and all the counseling and meetings we have in our offices and appreciate many of you bringing a special offering today for that, but they're grateful for what God has done. And then just one last thing with this. The reason I mentioned those locations is not about those buildings or those projects, but in a lot of those spaces, people got saved. Uh, people got discipled, and, and even um, we just had a couple here last night from a sister church in the office I currently occupy that their marriage was renewed, and they were here last night for the concert. So God is using uh, our ministry uh, and the things that you do to support and partner with us. 
And so I hope just as we go down memory lane there for a minute that God renews and encourages you where he's met you through these years we've shared together. I wanted to say this, and then we'll have the clerks come. Um, I wanted just to thank you for your support and your encouragement, uh, your, your partnership, and those watching as well. God has been so good to us, but it has been lots of setbacks and ups and downs, and in your faithfulness and partnership has been a tremendous blessing. And I just want to say, your part matters. We're the sum total of each of our contributions. And many times those of us that are up front here, those that actually probably do the least are those of us up front here at times as far as the grunt labor, the sacrifices. All of us have a part in what God has done in our church. And I hope that you'll not miss that and you'll be encouraged to continue and to grow into things that God has for you uh, in the years ahead. Matthew 16 and verse 18 says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I love those two words, my church. Um, I can tell you nobody alive probably loves North Life more than I do, except for one person, Jesus Christ, who loved the church and gave himself for it. And so may we love it, may we steward it in a way that pleases and honors him. This last thought, and then Travis is going to come sing for us today. I don't know if you remember our drive-in services. We had some other hysterical things happen, but we used an FM transmitter, so we ran the sound out of our board, Brother Clark, and then folks could turn on their car radios and, again, sit in the comfort of their car while I'm battered by whatever is going on in the elements, Brother Nick and Justin and others that help with the music. Um, but one night, I just if you can go back to about March, let's say first Sunday of April-ish, when we didn't know what was going on. Do you remember that? felt as if we were facing existential type of circumstances and challenges, and some of you have borne the brunt of what has occurred these last few years. But especially early on, we just didn't know what we were dealing with, did we? And so I, I actually had heard this song, a song that the Clark family has sung for several years now, and I just, I just played it. We didn't sing it. Um, I just had it piped through our board that night. We listened to it. And I believe it was either the first time we met. You remember that? We hadn't seen each other in about 10 weeks before we started the drive-in services. And just the reminder that we have to be faithful no matter what's going on in the world. Um, and I just want to read the lyrics of the chorus and then travel come sing it this morning. The song is called Leave With Nothing Left. I don't want to waste a breath. And that was what struck me. Remember, we were all masking and breath was a threat and, and trying to protect our own breath and our own survival. I don't want to wait a waste of breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom coming. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I have been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. And I hope that will be the mantra of this day with all we're about to hear in music and the preaching of God's word. We're grateful to have the Clarks with us. Don't we want to finish with nothing left except what we've invested in the cause of Christ, the mission and message of the local church? I hope that God will help us re-up or maybe for the first time fully go all in on the message and the ministry, not of North Life Baptist Church exclusively, but the local church. So appreciate the Clarks being with here. God bless you as you guys minister to us today. Could it be 
that we're so heavenly minded that somehow we've been blinded to what he's calling us to do right here could it be that heaven's always planted that we leave here empty-handed when this life disappears <laughs> but is it really living if my one ambition is simply hanging on till we all get out of here i don't want to waste a breath one heartbeat in this chest i want to see his kingdom coming i won't wish my life away i want to live each day to give away what i've been that I've been given and what I've learned from living I know exactly what I need to do so I pray that God will give me chances to show how great his grace is by living out his truth if somehow I could choose it I'd be the one God uses to make a difference in what forever means to you. I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see His kingdom come in. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day give away what I've been be all of our goal and may God help us. I think of Paul as he says, I finished my course, you know, and I think there's great things left to be done for North Life. I'm telling you what you just saw and pastor is up here and I understand when you're the founding pastor of a church, um, 
sometimes it's a little bit hard to rejoice in what God has done because you don't want it to appear that you're rejoicing in what you've done. And we give all the glory to God, and I believe he's a very humble man, but, but it's a miracle. This is a miracle right here, what God has done for you. And um, my father started our church in 1981, and uh, he was called by God to do so. A construction worker accepted Christ, and it's all God. And, and our story is different but the same. And uh, we just look at our church today, and you look at this church and we can't say anything other than look what God has done. And, and he's been so good. So don't miss that. Don't miss that. What a blessing it is. Look what God has done for you. When you were hungry, he sent manna from above. When you needed shelter. Hit that verse again. Would Here we you, go. If I'm doing the first line. <laughs> Are we were missing a singer, so they're up here trading parts up here, and Christiana's like, I didn't know I had that one. All right. You're gonna do the second. Sorry about that. Here we go. Okay, go. You get the first. When you needed someone, he was your dearest friend. This is practice with the Clark families. Here we go. Don't lose it on me. Who sings it normally? You take the first line. Do it. I'll sing the second. Trav, you're singing the second line. Go ahead. We need a man for this job, Trav. Let's get it done. Here we go. Ready? When you were in trouble. He was your dearest friend when you needed someone he was there till the end strong mighty tower you can always run to look what god has done for you look what god has done for you see what he He's done what no other can 
finally got there. So God has a way of humbling you sometimes. You say, what will the Clarks be talking about on the way back to New Jersey today? What happened right there? I, I was humiliated, Uncle Mike. We're going to pull up the live stream. Yes, yes. That. God bless. All right. So the Lord is good. And we want to sing that because don't miss what God has done for you. And you say, well, I see it. I see it. Then what should we do? Well, we ought to praise him for what he's done. And uh, here's a song for all he's done. I'm going to lift my hands and praise him. Every morning when I wake to see the sun, I can't help but think about the Lord and all the things he's done. He hears my every need. You know he's been so good to me. And I can't help but praise the Lord for all he's done. For all he's done. I'm going to lift my hands and praise him for all he's done. I'll try to live my life to please him. Even though I don't deserve to live, my life is just If I started now until I die, there'd still be many more. If I could mention only one, I'd have to thank him for his son. Now that's enough to praise the Lord for all he's done. For all he's done, I'm going to lift my hands and praise him for all he's done. I'll try to live my life to please Him, even though I don't deserve to live. My life has just begun, and I can't help but praise the Lord for all He's done. For all He's done, I'm going to lift my hands and praise Him for all He's done. I'll try to live my stay faithful to God. Jesus said, when I come, will I find faith on the earth? And uh, I'll tell you, in this day and age, we need a local body of believers who say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the word of God. Nothing's going to change that. I'm here for such a time as this. 
to do God's calling for my life. And I pray that you're committed to believing and staying faithful to our God. When I said that I would follow, it was with an honest heart. But I did not fully understand the cause. For there are saints throughout the ages, and there are those today who show us what it really means to carry the cross. There will never be a reason to lose this confidence For I have learned where my assurance lies It is not in my own power, but in who my Savior is And the truth of this conviction makes me shout to the skies Yes Trav sing one more song before the message and then Melinda at the conclusion. But I thank the Lord for his love, his love for you, his love for me. You know, we try to love as we ought, but we cannot love like God. At times, if we're honest, we don't want it to be, but our love is a little conditional. 
God's love is unconditional. And God said, you know, there's nothing that can separate us from his love. And he went to the cross for you and for me. And greater love has no man than this. And the man laid down his life for his friends. And thank God for that. Are we plugged in right here? You have a signal there. We good? All right. Thank God for his love. Highest heights or darkest deep, be there pain or poverty, there is nothing that can my Redeemer's love from me. All alone, though I may feel, all the world my enemy, still there's no one that can steal my Redeemer's love from me. God for his love. Amen. Matthew, in the word of God this morning, again, congratulations, church, and uh, we're excited for you. Thank you for putting us up in a hotel and putting up with us and our shenanigans on that song there. We're all right, but uh, God is good, and we're just normal people like you, and uh, it's just, uh, we're preacher's kids, and we serve there in New Jersey, and we get to travel a little bit, but it's a privilege to be here. Uh, I'll tell you, in the, in the right sense, not to give you a big head, um, I'm impressed with your church. It's beautiful, 
and everything's sharp, and the people are friendly, and you didn't go home last night afterwards. I said to Pastor, I'm like, do they always stay around and talk like this? And that's a sign of a healthy church, that you like each other, and you fellowship, and all of that. So I'm excited, and keep it up. Let me just say that. Keep up what you've been doing, and uh, the great days are ahead, I believe that, for this church. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 22. How many of you are at the age where you started to need these to, to read a little bit? Anybody else feel my pain? All right. And uh, I turned 50 this year, and I'm like, what is going on? I, I know some, please, you're just a child, but I feel like I'm ancient. It's all perspective. You know how that goes. So the 30-year-olds think I'm ancient. Those older than 50 think I'm a kid, and, and I, I get how that goes. But uh, it, it's good to be here, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter number 22, in the Matthew chapter 22. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you for this dear pastor, his family, the staff, and Lord, I, I know this doesn't happen, Lord, but just... Uh, one man, and we know it's not man at all, it's you, but there's a team here, God, that has labored and been faithful, and Lord, you're doing great things. God, I also know that the devil will seek to damage and, and stop any work of God, and Lord, uh, this church is not excluded from that. I pray your protection and blessing, Lord, upon North Life, and I pray, God, that you do great things for your honor and for your glory. Would you speak to our hearts this morning? We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 34. Matthew 22, 34. I want to make a statement that you all know, and that's this. We're commanded in the word of God to love people. We're commanded to love people. And, and, and notice here we go. Ready? But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? So here they are talking to Jesus, trying to catch him. And they said, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. They said, Jesus, what, what's the, great, the greatest commandment? What's at the top of the list? And he said, love God. With all your heart, love God. And can I tell you, that has not changed to this day. The greatest commandment for this church, for your family, for you, is to love God with all your heart. But it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't stop there. They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And then he often, have you ever heard a preacher say, this wasn't in the notes, this is for free. Yeah. Did you ever hear a pastor say something along those lines, right? They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart. And then he respectfully threw another in. And he said this to them, notice, and the second. They didn't ask for the second, but he said, the second is like unto it, verse 39. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophet. We are commanded to love in the scriptures. We're commanded to love God. We're commanded to love our neighbor. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says it centers around this word, love. Loving God and loving your neighbor. In Luke chapter number six, it's a little more difficult because in Luke chapter six, verse 27 and 35, we're told this, love your enemies. All right, love God, he's worthy. 
Love my neighbor, they're sometimes worthy, not perfect, but I, I get it. Love my enemies, that's a little more difficult. But we're commanded to love, absolutely, love your enemies. In Ephesians 5, husbands, you're commanded to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Aren't we? Absolutely. And there's love there, right? And when you look at Titus, it's interesting to me, the ladies are told to love their husbands. And it actually says in that scripture, it always kind of bothered me a little bit. It says, get the elderly ladies, the aged ladies to teach their wives how to love their husbands. I'm like, like they have to go to class to find out how to love us. You know what I mean? It's like, takes an instruction manual on this one, right? But, but in scriptures, no doubt, you wouldn't argue, hey, love God, love your neighbor, love your enemies, love your wife, love your husband. And this is, this is Bible, right? Notice if you would, go to John chapter 13, John chapter 13. This idea of love, John chapter 13, you know, when someone's getting ready to pass on, to die, they don't waste words, do they? I mean, some of the last words that people say are meaningful words. They're not asking who won the fall game. They're not asking something unimportant or to check on something that doesn't matter. Here's Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples in John chapter 13, and beginning in verse 33, he says this. Little children, yet a little while I am with you, John 13, 33. I'm here for a little while. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. I'm getting ready to be crucified is what he was telling them, and you can't go with me. I'm going to lay down my life for you. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you. Here's Jesus saying, I'm leaving, and I've got a new commandment for you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And then he makes this statement, powerful. By this, your love one for another, shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Jesus said, I'm leaving. You can't come where I'm going. I've got a mission for you, a commandment. You stay here and you love one another. And it's by this that all men, the world will know that you are a follower of me. That's powerful. It didn't say that when you go to church on a Sunday morning that the world will know you're a follower of Christ and I'm for you being in church. It did not say, and Jesus did not say, when you take the scriptures and that day a scroll and walk down the street and you've got the scriptures with you, surely they'll say that man or that woman is a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm all for bringing your Bible. It did not say when you put on your church clothes that, that people will know that you're a follower of Christ and everybody looks great and it's good to be in church and God's been good to us. It, it did not say when you hand someone a gospel tract that that's what will prove to them that you're a follower of Christ. And I'm for all of these things and your pastor is for all of these things. Jesus said this, when people see your love, they will know that you are a follower of me. Do you understand God is love? Do you understand that truth? God is love. Here's the question. Do people see God in you? If they're going to see God in you, they have to see love in you. Do you understand this? I believe this. God puts a greater emphasis on love than what we may realize. You go to different churches. Pastor, we travel. 
And it's interesting to me, some folks will emphasize this area, and some folks will emphasize this area, and some folks will emphasize this area, and they're all good, right? But I'm telling you, above it all, our Savior didn't get it wrong. He got it right. He said, at the top of it all is this word called love. It's who God is. You know, too many Christians, I believe, have the understood love mentality, you, you've heard it. It's an age-old joke about the, the, the couple who came to uh, the pastor for marriage counseling. A- and the wife said to the pastor, he said, what's the problem? He said, my husband never tells me that he loves me. And he said, dear, I told you when we got married that I loved you and I would let you know if it ever changed, right? <laughs> and, and, and that idea that, that it's just this understood love, right? And can I tell you, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Where does man look? Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And you might say, hey, I've got love in my heart. But can I tell you, that does nothing for man because man can't see your heart. In order for man to see your love, it has to be expressed. It has to be worked out. Do you understand, in the north, I come from the northeast, we have a reputation of being cold, and I'm not talking temperature. I'm talking southern hospitality does not exist in New Jersey, all right? If you find it, it feels real awkward, right? I go down south, and people just start talking to you in the grocery store, and I'm like, I'll be with pastor friends. I'm like, who is that? They're like, I don't know. I never met them. You know, we'll drive down the street. People are waving at him. Who's that preacher? He's like, I I don't know who they are. I'm like, why are they waving at you? Right? In the north, literally, someone walks up to you in the grocery store and says hi and starts talking to you. People grab their wallet and just walk away quickly. Like it's just, it's it's just what we do, right? We're like, we're not a friendly place, right? Hey, that's not good. That's not godly. And we have that reputation. Let me say this: we've earned it. We've earned it. Let's look quickly at two different churches. Ready? First Thessalonians, or actually one church, the church at Thessalonica, but go here. First Thessalonians, you say, boy, how about the future of North Life? How about this church? How about what God wants to do in my life and through this ministry? Here's a great example for us. Look, if you would, First Thessalonians chapter number four, First Thessalonians chapter four, and verse number nine. First Thessalonians 4, 9. Here's Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica. And what a compliment, 4-9, ready? But as touching brotherly love, he said this about the church, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He said, I don't really need to tell you about love because God teaches you that, right? But then notice what he says. And indeed, verse 10, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, He says, you are doing it, and you're doing a great job. And then he says this, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. He says, hey, talking about love, I know God teaches us that, and you're doing it, but let me just encourage you. Maybe you could do even more, because this is where it's at. This is what God says is is life-changing. Second Thessalonians, just a couple pages to the right. Look at it. We see it again. And I believe it was a trade of this church, and it would be wonderful, and I believe it's a trade of, of this church right here where we are today, but man, maybe God would encourage us to have this revival of expressing love. Look at you what 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 2. Grace unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, it's fitting, it's right, because that your faith groweth exceedingly. Look at this powerful statement. And the charity... 
of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Whoa. Charity, what do we say that is? Love in action. Express love. Paul said of this church, the charity, the love that you show and express aboundeth. And it says, every one of you. I'm talking to you, what a compliment to this church at Thessalonica. And our church needs to be, and this church needs to be, abounding in love. You understand 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Whether or not we love people, God says this, is a test to whether or not you even know God. Beloved, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. It's actually a test as to whether or not we know God, and everyone needs to know they're loved. Men are here. I see a lot of men. That's a good sign. Listen to me. Watch. Love is not a girl thing. Y'all with me? It's a God thing. It's not a feminine thing. It's a masculine thing. It's a God thing, and people need to know that they are loved. Jesus said this, when they see your love, they'll know that you're a follower of me. And again, a love that is seen is a love that is expressed. Let me give you a few points this morning on how we can express our love. How we can express our love. Number one, John 21. We're going to turn a few passages. John chapter 21. For each point, just to to have a foundation for this. John chapter 21. I know this is a Bible preaching church, and I appreciate that. And this is a little more topical, but it's biblical. John chapter 21. Notice this. We can express our love, church. And boy, we need to do it. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, what matters more than anything in the world? Love God. Thank you. Wait, wait, don't don't leave. There's a second, just like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm leaving. I'm going to be nailed to a cross. I'm going to ascend to the Father. You're staying down here, every one of you. And here's your mission. Love one another as I have loved you. That's what's going to speak the loudest to this lost world, that you're a follower of me. There's other things, but there's nothing greater than this. How can we express our love? Number one, look at this, John chapter 21 and verse number 15. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, by what we say, by what we say. I said go to John, and I am in Luke. Let me turn back here. John, that had nothing to do with me not having my glasses on, all right, because sometimes I blame it on that. John chapter 21, here we go, verse number 15. Notice what is said here. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, ready? Lovest thou me more than these? Now when Jesus asked a question, it was always a rhetorical question because he knew the answer, right? Peter, do you love me more than these? And the Lord already knew. He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter's grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? Peter knew the Lord knows I love him, and I do love him. You say, then why did Jesus keep asking him this question? And really, there's no other truth than he wanted him to literally speak it and say it. Church, listen to me. We can express our love by what we say. 
by what we say. Jesus wanted to hear it. I was a teenager growing up in our home. My dad's a pastor. I told you that. And uh, saying I love you in our house was very common. And I thank God for that. I know it's not common everywhere. But all the time, I love you, I love you, I love you. Before we left on the trip, I love you. And, and, and dad always said that. And growing up as a teenager, I remember the one night, dad said to me, good, good night, Mike. And I was in my room. Door was shut already. My light was out. I was getting ready to go to sleep. He was out in the hall. Good night, Mike. He said this, I love you. And I said, good night, dad. I was a teenager. I don't know why teenagers get weird, but they can get weird, all right? And that was me. Good night, Mike. I love you. I said, Dad, good night. Then he said this. He said, I said I love you. And I'm in my bed. And I told you I felt weird. And I said, you too. <laughs> Next thing I know, poof, my door opens. The light from the hallway floods in. He walks over by my bed. He said, I said I love you. And I said, I love you too, Dad. You know. You say, what, what was dad doing? He was protecting something that's very healthy, and that's expressing the fact that we love each other by what we say. He, di he didn't want that to build up. Can I sell this? We need, say this? We need to tell people that we love them. I'm talking about appropriately. We need to tell people that we love them, and we need to tell people that we love them while we have them. I had a good friend this week, Jim, and his sister Sandy had led him to Christ and he's been a Christian for many years. And she was out doing, uh, delivering Grubhub this week. And she pulled out in front of a car. She had her seatbelt on, hit her on the passenger door, and yet still ejected her from that vehicle. So you can imagine. And she didn't make it. And uh, this time last week, she was sitting in church. And here we are this week, and Jim has rented a vehicle with his extended family to travel to Florida to go to his sister's funeral. He loved her dearly. Here's the question. Did she know that? Did he say it? He has no more opportunities to say that to his sister. And he had no idea. Church, listen to me. There are people that we love. And it would really do them good. I love the verse in Proverbs that say, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Do you realize you can breathe life into people? By saying, you know, it, it might be my father. It might be my mother. It might be a church member. It might be, and we have thoughts about them, but we don't always say it. And a text, a call, a hey, you know what? We don't talk a lot, maybe, or maybe we talk often. Just want you to know, I love you. And they might be taken back a little bit, but I'm telling you, it is powerful to let people know that you love them. Sometimes the people we're most familiar with are the people that we express our love to the least because we think it's just understood. You remember Paul in 2 Corinthians? He said this, the more I love, the less I'm loved. And it's not that they didn't love him, but that expression just was not there. Hey, we need to tell people that we love them. I have a lady in my church, and her father was dying, and he was in his late 70s. We were at the hospital doing the visit. She went in to have some last words. She came out of the room. She's in her 50s, late 50s. And she said, my dad just told me that he loved me. And she said, that's the first time I remember hearing that. I'm thinking, wow, how sad. Listen to me, if this is not normal in your world, break the cycle. Tell people that you love them. 
Peter, do you love me? He already knows it. He wants to hear it. Tell the people that you love that you love them and tell them why you have them. Number one, we can, say, we can express our love by what we say. Number two, by what we do. Flip over to Matthew 26, Matthew chapter 26. You say, what would make this church great? Everybody expressing their love, being like that church at Thessalonica, where I love you and my family and in this church family is a very common thing. I'll ask some of our children in our church sometimes, I'll say, hey, what do you think about your mom? You love them? And she might be standing right there. And I'll say, how much? Make them put their arms out, right? This much. It's a good thing. It's healthy when we say, I love you. Look at Matthew 26. We can express our love by what we say, but we can also express our love by what we do. Verse number six, Matthew 26. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, and he poured it, uh, and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble you the woman? For she has wrought a good work upon me. This woman came to Jesus and took this valuable box and wanted to express her love. And she broke this ointment on Jesus. And they sat there and they're like, hey, what is this all about? And, and, and why is this woman doing this? For the poor, for you have the poor always with you, verse 11. But me you have not always. For in that she has poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And then notice the power of love. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be told for a memorial of her. You know what Jesus said? What this lady's done to express her love will never be forgotten. Never be forgotten. Here we are in 2022 in Worcester, Ohio. I said it right? Hey, here we are, yes, 2022, on a Sunday morning, talking about an expression of love. That lady had no idea it would go that far. She never dreamed, never dreamed that what she did on that day, and I'm sure there were others that loved Jesus, but she said, I'm going to express it by doing something for him. And watch, it's still being remembered today. People do not forget what you do for them. And we can express our love by what we do. Church of Thessalonica, you're doing a great job. Man, do even more. What would make this church great? If people were always and abounding in showing love one to another by doing for each other. It'd be wonderful. In our church this week, there's a, there's a man named Joe. Joe's dying with cancer. And uh, it's bad. And we have a man on our staff, Keith, and we had a church activity last Friday night. We were going down to the boardwalk in Ocean City, New Jersey, and probably had a couple hundred church people there. And we walked the boards and eat pizza and have a good time. I said, are you going tonight? And he said, I'm not. He said, it's Joe's anniversary. I'm telling you, Joe is like just right there at the door. And he said, I'm trying to rent a limo or a very nice vehicle, pick him up get him and his wife for their anniversary, take them somewhere to dinner, help him get into the restaurant. I mean, he can hardly walk. 
so that they can have a nice night. He's like, I don't think they'll have, barring a miracle of God, another anniversary. And I thought everybody's going down to the boardwalk and we're going to eat French fries and pizza and George. And here's Keith, who had it in his heart to do something for Joe, very sacrificial. You listen to me. Go ask Joe. He's still alive. Probably live streaming our service this morning from his house. Go ask Joe. Say, Joe, do you think Keith loves you? Rented a vehicle. Picked you and your wife up. Took you to a fine restaurant. Skipped a time with family. Joe, do you think Keith loves you? There's no doubt in his mind. Expressions of love are powerful. And they're never forgotten. They're never forgotten. We have the ability to do it. My son Michael's a type 1 diabetic. He sang bass over here. We have snow in New Jersey. Not as much here. You probably have more here, I would think. We're, on, we're just 45 minutes from the coast, so we get the warm weather off the ocean. Sometimes it spares us, right? Landscapers in the church, you know, they, they do landscaping in the summer, and then they'll do snow removal in the winter. And uh, a bunch of the young people will just, when the snowstorms are coming, hey, we're going we're gonna to shovel all night. We're going to work. We're going to whatever. Mike was one of the guys that got the call, and he's excited. You can make two, three, four, four hundred dollars in a night. And uh, he was 16 years old. And his numbers, his sugar numbers, were just out of control on that particular day. And me and mom were like, he should not be out all night as a diabetic with his sugar all off right now, shoveling snow. So we went to him. We're like, Mike, we know you're going to be disappointed. We don't think you should go tonight. We're not, we're not going to let you go. And you're 16. You know, I, I can do it. I, I said, listen, but dad, I could have I said, I know, but it's not good for your health. We're not going to do it. I'm sorry. And he accepted it and went on. A couple weeks later, I went in Mike's room. I looked at a letter. It said this. It said, Mike, I know you have diabetes, and I never see you complain. I know you wanted to shovel snow the other night, and you weren't able to. Here's the money you would have made had you shoveled. Keep on, be strong. I love you. And assigned Gio, Giovanni, a guy in our church. He just heard it. And he said, you know, I'm going to do something for this guy. Can I tell you, he didn't buy our love. But his expression of love connects you. And has that love flowing back like nothing else in this world. My son will never forget Gio. I will never forget him. And that was not his intent. You understand, everything we, ought, we do ought to be driven by love. 1 Corinthians 13, though, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it's nothing. Right. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and have not charity, it is profit me nothing. Listen to me, church, this week, we can believe what Jesus said. The greatest thing you can do is to love God and love people and get active saying it, d- doing things for people, and it's literally life-changing. I could go on and on and on with... with uh, illustrations of that. Let me just say this, and we won't look at this one for time's sake. We can express our love by what we say, by what we do, but we can also express our love by showing affection. Showing affection. You remember John, in chapter number 21, we see John, and he's called the what? The beloved. John the beloved. He's the disciple that did what? Leaned on Jesus' breast. John 21. So what was he doing? There's nothing 
weird. He was the one that was giving the Savior a hug. He was. You know, that's an expression of love. And we want to be appropriate in the church. We've got men and women and children. I'm not talking about that. Study the surveys. And I worked in education for, for 25, almost 30 years now. Study the, the, uh, the history, the reports, the, the, the problems that come with children that are neglected, not properly hugged and touched and shown affection and all of that. That's not a healthy thing. You know, it's a healthy thing to show affection. My wife is here. And, and, and I could drive down the road with Carla and I could say I love you and I should. Sometimes it's just nothing being said. And you reach out and just grab a hand. And you know what it says to her? I love you. I see an arm around and a pat. A kid's hugging mom and dad. Before we leave, my dad's 77 years old. Before we left for this trip, give me a hug, Mike. And I give him a hug. And that's a healthy thing. And that's a good thing. And John was one that expressed his love to God by, by showing affection to God by physical touch and, and giving his Savior a hug. We have a man in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. His name is Pastor Penichetti. He's about that high, and he's almost the same wide, right? And he's got one finger that won't straighten. They call him the Pope of Philadelphia. And he is Italian, 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 lives in Fishtown, Pennsylvania. Like you think, are you in the mafia or what? But every time he sees me, and, and he's just this, always has a lot of cologne on. You, you, you know what I'm talking about? Little Italian guy. And he's a pastor, and he'll come up and say, Michael, how are you? <laughs> and he grabs my face. How's mom? How's dad? And then he'll say this, I love you, babe. And I'll turn my face, and I'm not doing it. And he plants a kiss right there on the side of my face. I told him, I said, preacher, I'm glad you are not a Russian man because you'd be right here. No, I'm not doing that, right? Turns my face. I love you, baby. I love you. And he goes on his way. I'm telling you, you would love him. He's amazing. But I know the guy loves me. And you say that's, and you don't have to do that. But, but his, my point is, he'll walk up and he'll touch me. Every time I see him, he's going to give me a kiss on the cheek. It's just what he does. They're all Italians. It's just how it goes, man. And that's his way of saying, I love you. By what we say, by what we do. By showing affection. Seriously. You walk in. I had a friend walk in from Cleveland Baptist last night. And there's some people that I didn't know as well. And I'm shaking their hands. And then I saw Brother Doug. I shook his hand. I pulled him in. And you know what? A little bit more. That speaks. Do you understand that? That, that speaks that we're a little closer. And we're a little tighter. And, and, and there's, that's a healthy thing. Hug your family. Hug your kids. Show affection to the people that you love and all of that while being appropriate. Number four, let me say this. We can express our love by what we say, by what we do, by showing affection, by giving time and attention. We're late on time today. Let me give you the story. I believe you'll know it. Luke chapter 10. Mary and Martha. Right? Martha, running, 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 busy, serving. It's great. You know what Mary said? I want to sit at Jesus' feet. I, I, I want to give more than just my active work. I want to give Jesus my time. And what did Jesus say? Mary has chosen the good part. The good part. You say, how did she show the Savior that, that she loved him? By giving Jesus her time. Can I say this? Give time and attention 
to the people that you love. Y'all hear me? Give time and attention to the people that you love. What impressed Jesus? Mary. More than all the service. I remember one time listening to a Christmas special. And it was Christmas in the country. It was a couple days before Christmas. And they're interviewing all of these singers. What's your favorite Christmas? Oh, the Christmas when I got my red bike. That's the one that stands out to me. I, I, I love that. Somebody else, oh, it was when I got, when I got that, that, that train that I wanted. I remember that as a boy. That was a special Christmas for me. One guy's like, yeah, my favorite Christmas is when I got that ukulele. I'm thinking, what's a ukulele? I think it's a little guitar, all right? But anyway, I'm thinking, all right, hey, I got that ukulele. And then they interviewed Hank Williams Jr., they said, Hank, what, what is your favorite Christmas? Some of you know Hank Williams Jr., famous country singer. His father was a country singer. And, and I, frankly, Pastor, I was a little surprised they aired it. He said, um, I didn't really like Christmas too much. He said, uh, I got full-size pinball machines. I got go-karts. I got presents that, his words, Every kid in the neighborhood wanted. He said, in fact, the kids would come to my house after they were done opening their toys because the stuff I got was incredible. And this is what he said. He said, but the only thing I really wanted was my dad. And my dad was out singing to the world. He said, it just, it's what I wanted and I never got it. And I thought, how sad. You know what we do? We say, hey, we need to get together. Hey, we, we got to get, we, and we don't. Pat, people tried to grab me when my kids were growing up, and you've done it. And they say this, hey, don't miss it. It goes fast. Have you been told that or you told someone that? Hey, you got a window. They're going to grow up fast. Don't miss it. And what they're saying is, hey, you spend time with them. Don't get so busy. How many, and your pastor knows it, how many men would say later in life, I wish and they worked. I wish I would have spent more time with the kids, with the wife, while we have opportunity. Don't mistake sacrifice for service. I'm all for us working and doing all we do, and all of that is sacrifice, but service is meeting the needs of someone. And watch me, people need your time. Express your love by what you say. Tell them, I love you. By what we do. Oh, we can do all kinds of things for people. The other day I was in Dunkin' Donuts line and I paying for the guy behind me. And Pastor and I thought, he's just going to pull away and think, well, at least there's a nice guy in front of me. I'm like, all right, Lord. And there's multiple cars. I get out. I hand him a track. I said, hey, it's just something for my church. I don't know where you go or not. And the line's trying to, I said, just... I jumped in my car, and then I paid for him. I'm not patting myself on the back. I expressed my love, and I tried to help him know the root of that. I don't know what God will do in his heart, but I believe that will go further than just by what we do, by showing affection, by giving time and attention. Let me give you this lastly, and we'll be done. By our loyalty, by showing loyalty. Remember John 18 when Jesus was in the garden? Soldiers came out to arrest him. 
right? What did Peter do? Cut off the soldier's ear. Remember that? He was up against it, and here they are. They're all coming again. And Peter, man, and the Lord, by the way, if someone ever puts your ear back on your head, you may not want to try to arrest them, right? You, you, you may, that may be a sign you're arresting the wrong guy. Put his ear back on and said, hey, put your weapons down. But y'all listen to me. Even greater than all of that was this. Jesus knew he's with me. You, I'm serious. You pull out, a, for all of Peter's faults, you pull out a sword when all those Roman soldiers are there and whatever. He said, no, no, no. This is my friend. This is Jesus. And you're not doing this. And you know, to me, that speaks of showing his love by his loyalty. By his loyalty. We live in a very disloyal age. I'm, I'm serious. Boy, what about North Life? What about this church going forward? You know what? You need people to be loyal to each other. And I'm not talking about this pastor. I, I, I believe I know his heartbeat. He doesn't want anything wrong to be going on here. No, there's no carpet to sweep anything under. But you know what? In, in the world, at times, we'll have difficulties. We'll have struggles. You, know, you go to talk to someone. That's what the scripture says. You work it out. You're loyal. Hey, on Facebook, people just destroying their spouse and, and their kids or their church. Or their, and it doesn't matter. Social media in the world today, you can work for a company for 30 years. They'll let you go away like that. Ball teams, this, that. Loyalty is lost. You know what? Some people say, hey, it's not a perfect church. There's no perfect church. I go there. All right? I prove that, right? It's not a perfect church, but it's a good church, and they're my friends, and this is my pastor, and that's my dad, and that's my mom, and, and I am going to be loyal to people. And Peter was loyal to Jesus Christ. Stand together. Stand together. We had a young man in our school named Dale. Dale was a little bit slow. And on this particular day, we were in gym class, and I was playing shortstop, and Dale was playing third base. And a young man, probably one of the most popular kids in the school, if not the most popular, his name was Todd, came up to bat. And he came up, and he stood there, and he pointed his bat at Dale, and he said, Dale, I'm going to hit the ball to you. And he's going like that. He said, Dale, you know why I'm hitting it to you? Because you stink and because you're no good at baseball. Dale, I'm telling you. And he kept going, just riding him. And I was playing shortstop. I said, shut up. Maybe I shouldn't have. I said, shut your mouth. He said, I'm not going to because he stinks and everybody knows it. Do you ever get like weird tingling start in your feet, man, and it starts to come up through your body called an adrenaline? You, you know what I'm talking about? Like, Pastor, I was lo- and he's like, so I'm not shutting up. He, and I started in from shortstop to attack this kid who had a bat in his hand, which may not have been the wisest thing. <laughs> but I had enough of him picking on Dale. And, and, and literally... Pitcher was our gym teacher that jumped on my back half the way, and I grabbed this kid's ankles. I'm like, stop. Leave the kid alone. A little while back, I'm driving down my street, and I see someone go by me, and I recognize him, and it was Dale. Back up. Windows down. What are you doing here? I haven't seen you. This, that. And we talked, and we caught up. And good times. And I get ready to leave, and he said, hey. That's what he said to me. I remember the baseball game. He said, and I thank you for that. I'm talking more than 30 years ago. I haven't seen this guy in years. He said, I, I remember the game. I said, Dale, I love you. He's like, I love you too. And we drove away. Be loyal to the people that you love. Who is it today? Honestly, there's someone you love today that has not heard you say it lately. You have neighbors and friends, like Keith did this week, you can show kindness to. I don't care if it's a cup of coffee. I don't care if it's a note. I don't, 
by what we do for people. There's someone, honestly, you need to walk up and say, yo, give me a hug, man. I love you. Well, that's just not the way we do it. Change the way you do it. By giving time and attention. Yeah. By giving time and attention. By being loyal. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What matters most in all the world? That you love God. Thank you. No, don't leave. There's a second. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm leaving. I'm I'm out of here. I'm going to heaven, and he's there now. He's not here on earth, listen to me, to tell people and to do for people and to show love. You are here. And he says, you guys stay here and show one another love. And that is the way the world will know you're a follower of me. Wow. Church of Thessalonica, you do a great job. Maybe we could do even better. North Life, I believe you're doing a great job. But can you imagine if every one of us was abounding with love. Preacher, I'm not just saying this. You would have to build a new building. I promise you. Because this is an unloving world. And we need to preach truth, and we need to preach against sin, and we need to preach all the things that are right. Jesus himself said, but above it all is love. And if we could get this, we can impact this community. There's no doubt about it. The greatest expression of love ever. You and I know it. It happened on a cross. You're here today. I don't know everyone in this room. Do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know Christ as your Savior? John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. If God's word said, I love people, we'd say, that's wonderful. But it goes further than that. Says in John 3:16, I love people so much, watch, I expressed it. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. I, I let him take my hands and my feet, and I took the crown. And Jesus expressed his love to you so that you could have eternal life, so that you could be a child of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How well are we doing expressing our love? Have you ever accepted the gift of salvation? Vanessa, if you'd come with Melinda. One day we built a snowman at our house. Winter day, kids had off school. We make the snowman and We put sticks in for the arms. Then we went across the street. My daughter Kayla, Trav, Mike, went across the street. And we shoveled the walk for Miss Noecker. She's 85 years old. We get her all shoveled out. She opens the door right there at the end. Oh, thank you for shoveling my walk. I said, Miss Noecker, we're, we're happy to do it. Let me give you something. She goes back in. You just wait and wait and wait. I got the kids there. We all got our shovels. They're all bundled up. She comes out with a can of cookies. I don't know how long she had had the cookies. (laughs) They had like those separate doilies, like multiple places with them stacked. And she, I'm like, thank you so much, Mrs. Noecker. And then she noticed, look at the snowman. 
She said, wait one minute. She goes back in. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. And, and I'm there with the kids. And she comes out with the scarf. And she said, let me give you this for your snowman. And my daughter, Kayla, is so sweet. She's like, oh no, Miss Snowecker, we don't want to take it. And I'm like, mm. Mm. And Kayla looks at me. She's like, well, take okay, thank you, Mrs. Snowecker. And she takes the scarf. This lady's in her 80s. We walk back. She's like, Daddy, I just didn't want to take her. I felt bad. I said, Kayla, don't reject people's expressions of love. I said, Mrs. Noecker looks out that window, doesn't do a whole lot. She's going to see our snowman. And when she sees that scarf wrapped around the snowman's neck, she's going to know that she loved us and we loved her. And she's like, oh, I understand. I'm done with this. I don't know who's sitting here that's never accepted Jesus. But he went to the cross for you. Can I beg you this morning? Don't say, oh no, it's okay. Accept that gift. And those of us that have done that already, listen to me, this week, let's say I love you more. Let's do for others and say I love you more. Let's show a little more affection. Let's give people our time. Let's be loyal. Let's be like the church at Thessalonica. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God will work in your life. The greatest, love God. Second, love your neighbor. By this, all of Worcester, all of Ohio, all of the world will know that you're a follower of me.
in me.